0: So we continue our study in the book of Philippians. Next Sunday after church, I will be doing uh, uh, adult education on Paul's thinking, his theology. So uh, now that we've spent some time in it, we can, can uh, I think, uh, maybe a little more meaningful. So that's next Sunday after, uh, after church. Well, listen to the word of God. It comes to us from chapter 3 of Philippians. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is not troublesome to me, and for you it is a source of steadfastness. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of those who mutilate the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, who worship in the Spirit of God and boast in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, Even though I, too, have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet... Whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as a loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I might gain that I may gain Christ and be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of the sufferings of becoming like him in his death. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. May God bless the hearing and reading of his holy word. Let's pray. Lord, in the midst of the many words that are both within and without, we ask that your unchanging word will come to us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's interesting to think about what one is willing to give up. The Oregon Trail, for instance, was, was strewn all along the way The people's belongings they thought were essential until they weren't. Uh, We heard a concert last night. There was a few of the rest of us there at Peru church. There was this young trio, um, great musicians, and we'd heard them once in Saratoga Springs. And they told a story. One of the stories behind one of their songs was they had graduated from the University of Nebraska. They're still very young. And they were deciding whether or not to get jobs and what they were trained for, or to follow their passions and do music to see if they can make a go of it. And they were staying with uh, parents of a friend, I think. And the song is really about regretting roads we did not take. So because of this encouragement, they are trying to make it in the music business. Martin Luther, Luther by all accounts, was uh, on his way to being a successful lawyer. Uh, from peasant stock, though, he and his, his father had, made, had worked hard and, and, and made a good living, and Luther went to university, excelled there, and in January of 1505, he got his master's degree. He borrowed money from his father to buy a library to prepare for his law practice, and on July 2nd of that same year, he was on his way home and he was overtaken by a thunderstorm. And He thought he was gonna die. And he cried out, help St. Anne, I will become a monk. Well, he lived and uh, unlike most people who make those kind of uh, foxhole promises, two weeks later, he, well, the, the night two weeks later, he gave an all night party to his friends and then sold all of his possessions and knocked on the door at the Augustinian Hermits of Erfurt. The most, probably the most uh, strict of all the monasteries in his university town. And when you were going to become a monk, the prior, the head of the monastery, would ask you, begin by asking you, what do you seek? And the answer is the gracious God and your mercy. His last words, the prior would ask. Not he who begins, but he who perseveres to the end will be saved. Now, Luther in later life will say that he made this move out of fear and superstition. But the truth of the matter is, he was someone who was willing to give up everything in order to fulfill his vow. The Apostle Paul talks today about giving up everything all the status and stature of his previous position in order to gain that which he thinks is the highest thing. I don't know if you've ever heard the expression about someone saying, Google me. Have you heard someone say that? I heard of a story. There was a guy who picked a fight in a bar in Las Vegas. And uh, not that most fights have any kind of sense to them that happen in bars. But he picked a fight with a guy who said you don't want to fight me and he said I, you know, I want to fight you well it turns out the guy is a UFC fighter and there was actually a video of it uh, he, and, and the fighter says don't, don't fight me google me and the guy takes a punch and he hits him straight in the face and the fighter doesn't move well you can guess what happened in the rest of that fight right But if you could have googled Paul, you would have found a pretty impressive resume. Matter of fact, Paul is in in some ways he's addressing probably uh, people who had already come to Philippi. We knew there were people. We know that there were people that were following Paul around, and after he would work in a community, these were well intentioned, I think, uh, but nonetheless. Uh, opponents of Paul, who would come after Paul would convert folks to the way of Messiah Jesus, would tell these Gentiles that they had to become Jews before they could be followers of Messiah Jesus, okay? And again, you have to remember, when you see the word Christ, that's that word is Messiah. And, and particularly, we're in a season where um, the, 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 the doors are open on anti-Semitism right now. Okay. Now, I know a lot about the Middle Eastern situation, about Gaza, so I'm prepared to tell you I don't understand it at all. The more I know, the less I understand. Okay. But I do know that we have to be very careful as Christians how we talk about this, right? But what is going on in, in the New Testament is really an in-house debate. What's it mean to be To follow God. What does faith require? And there were people who, remember, Paul was Saul of Tarsus. And he has a pretty impressive Jewish resume here. My guess, more impressive than any of his opponents. And what he's trying to say is, I know what I'm talking about here. I excelled at everything that was part of my religious tradition, more so than most everyone else did around me. But I have discovered that it's not faith in Torah that makes me a a person of God, but it's my faith in Messiah Jesus. It's faith. It's not what I can do in the flesh. It's not my identification (laughs) with a particular people. One time I, I was gonna take a kid on a youth group trip and his mother said, why, you know, why do you want to take my kid on a trip? I go, well, he wants to come. And she goes, well, well, he doesn't need to come. I go, well, I go, well no one needs to come. But I said, well, you know, his friends are going. She goes, he already has his papers. And I, I didn't know what, I go, his papers? Yes, he has his papers. I go, okay, and I was curious. Now, well, what kind of papers does he have, man? He, he was baptized and confirmed, so he doesn't have to go on your trip. So he had, I guess, he had his papers. I said, "Well, it's not really. We're not really. It's not really about that." But, but, good luck with that. I said. Um, But this is. I think what we have here is is in the middle of a conversation, right? And it gives us some insight on this the problem of religion, right? Okay. Um, I have this conversation a lot. As a matter of fact, Laura and I were talking about this the other day. You know, when people say I'm spiritual but not religious, right? Um, and the implication there is religion is the problem. Well, to say I want God without religion is to kind of saying I want words without sentences. You see, religion gives us a framework for practice. It gives us a grammar for our experience of God. Now, I know there are some people who think they can practice medicine on themselves, okay? All right, and sometimes it works, right? But you'd like there to be a framework for medicine, right? You'd like to actually have someone maybe who's trained, maybe a doctor, okay? okay? And if you're getting something done, Trust me on this one. You want a doctor who has a track record of doing it right, right? And so that being said, all religions, public or private, old or new, organized or disorganized, should be subject to scrutiny. They should be under a kind of rubric. And so does your religion accurately reflect the God you say you follow? Or is your religion actually helping you get to God or not? That's a very important rubric. Does your religion get you closer or further from the truth? Because there's ultimately only one good reason to believe. That is if it's true or not. And religion gives us a framework to explore things that are not necessarily easy to figure out, right? And that's part of what Paul is doing here. Paul did not give up his religion. He still followed the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel. But what he gave up was his understanding of how to have that proper relationship. It turned out that his God was too small. And I would argue that's a problem across all religions and non-religions. Now you get to pick whatever label you want. If someone wants to say I'm religious, and I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual, that's fine. But what is that doing for your life? Is that getting you closer to the truth? or is that just another opportunity for you to kind of do whatever you want to do, right? That's kind of, I think almost, you know, uh, most of what we do in our rationalization in life is just an excuse for us to do whatever we want to do. And that doesn't always get us to where we want to be, right? Where we want to be. And so, Paul was willing to say, I worked really hard at this. But bumping into, or literally having myself knocked off the horse by Messiah, Jesus, has made me rethink the order of things. Counting all things lost, he says again and again. Well, Martin Luther uh, excels at being a monk. He probably gets the equivalent of two PhDs in his time frame, and he also gets asked to preach in local churches, and he becomes very troubled by what's going on with a particular institution in the Catholic Church. Again, he's a loyal son of the Catholic Church, but he becomes incensed with a particular practice that we won't get into, it's hard to, without explaining it, but Basically, it was this idea that you could take time off of purgatory by giving a donation uh, to the church. By the way, stewardship's around the corner. And... um, (laughs) (laughs) So long story short, about three years after he... Almost four years after he posted his... uh, his knife-eye thesis and uh, the world explodes around him. He is in a hall at Worms, the Diet of Worms it's called, and the most powerful man in the world is sitting in the front of it, Charles V. Charles V was actually one of the first people who could actually say that the sun never sat on his empire. He was king of Spain. Emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, so from Italy to South America was his empire. And he's sitting there. All the powerful, most powerful religious and political leaders of Germany are there as well. And his books are piled in front of him, and he's asked to recant. Now, you need to understand that when you're in that kind of meeting, your life is on the line. And he was shocked. He thought he was going to get an opportunity. Because see, you know, the trouble of those of us who live in our mind, we think if we just explain it to you, you'll agree with us. <laughs> and literally, sure, if you if I just spell this out for you, you're going to agree with me. It didn't work out that way. So he thought he was going to get to debate. He actually was on trial for his life there. You either recant, or you're a dead man walking. And not only are you a dead man walking, but you're excommunicated as well. So he says, can I have a day to think about it? So he took a day, all right? They don't often show this in the movie, but he said, I need a break. So he left, and he came back. Not in a loud, bold voice, we're told, but in a a voice full of gravity and, and not a little fear, he said this. Unless I can be instructed and convinced with evidence from the Holy Scriptures or with open, clear, and distinct grounds of reasoning, my conscience is captive to the word of God, then I cannot and I will not recant because it's neither safe nor wise to act against conscience. Here I stand, I can do no other, God help me. Amen. What are you willing to give up? To walk in a deeper truth. To know your God in a deeper and better way. What are you willing to give up that keeps you from loving your neighbor as you want to? What do you need to take off that you don't need, that's hindering you? He goes on to this beautiful idea that I count all of it loss with the surpassing greatness of knowing God in Christ. And not only knowing Christ in the power of his resurrection, but also knowing Christ in the sufferings. For for Paul, and I think for us as well, Messiah Jesus gives us a lens, gives us a religious framework to live hopeful lives, to be about life, to be about love, but also a place to put suffering. To embrace the resurrection Of Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus is to embrace the world as we see it, but with the hope that God is transforming that world. One of the um, early followers of Francis, though she never met him, was a woman, a young woman named Elizabeth of Hungary. She was married to one of the princes of Germany. Matter of fact, her direct descendant was sitting in that room 300 years later listening to Martin Luther and became a follower of Martin Luther. But she was this woman that got in trouble, this queen, because she was always giving her money away to the poor. And uh, her husband was a devout Christian, but you know he kept saying, you can't keep giving things away. And her mother-in-law was particularly upset with her. Okay, And so, there was one day her, her husband was out on some sort of military campaign, and a leper came to the door. And she had already let so many people into the castle. Matter of fact, after her husband died, she took all her money and started a hospital. So this was, she was a person of deep and profound faith. And um, so... She didn't have anything left to give this leper, but her bed. So she takes this leper and she lets the leper sleep in the royal bedroom. Well, the story goes, the king came home at a really inopportune time. And the mother-in-law was furious. And so she said, your wife, while you're gone, is letting lepers in our bed, in your bed. So he's not happy about that. He comes into the room, he pulls off the sheep, And whether it was a miracle of vision or a miracle of type, we don't know. But when he pulled the sheet off, he didn't see a leper. He saw the crucified Christ. See, I think what Paul is telling us, that if we're willing to give up our own false lenses, if we're willing to leave behind the things that prevent us from loving and seeing God, that even in the most despicable people, we can see the crucified Christ. As Christians, we have to be realistic. Okay. But, but we can never embrace hate, we can never give up the call to see the world through the eyes of God. I mean, Christ is crucified anew every day. He's dying in places far off and close by, even as we're here. But the promise of the gospel that Paul was willing to give up everything for, that Martin Luther was willing to risk his life for, was that the free grace of God in Christ can not only set us free, but it can enable us to live in this world and in this life, under the power and hope of the resurrection while embracing the suffering with the crucified arms of Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Let's stand together and say what we believe in the words of the Apostles' Creed.